Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Montessori Talks. Today, in this segment, we are going to be talking about what to do when your lesson falls flat. So if you've been teaching in a classroom for any length of time at all, you will know that even the best laid plans sometimes yield cringeworthy results in Montessori training we see our teacher trainers modeling how to present all of these interesting lessons that are filled with new information that theoretically should ignite a flame of interest that inspires repetition in the children. Unlike repetition in the first plane of development, this doesn't really look like doing the exact same thing over and over again as the young ones take pleasure in doing. Repetition happens through using a variety of materials that demonstrate the same concept. Think about, for example, the large bead frame, the checkerboard, the bank game, the flat bead frame. All of these different materials lead back to mastery of long multiplication, right? Variety also looks like students creating lots and lots of different kinds of projects as follow-up work, posters, booklets, timelines, dioramas. The opportunities for follow-up work are virtually endless. However, you will possibly, if not probably, come to a time early in your teaching career, or even maybe later in your teaching career, when your lesson falls flat. So what does it look like when a lesson falls flat? And what do we mean by that? So generally speaking, I think that we could say a lesson is falling flat if the students are inattentive and they're looking around, not paying any attention to what's what you're saying or what's going on. Also, if the students are sitting very still, but their eyes are kind of glazed over 
and no one's responding to your questions or your prompts. It's almost like they're just sort of like in a vegetative state, not really engaged or, or responsive. Another thing to notice if you're thinking about what kinds of things you can see if lessons are falling flat are that the students are verbally expressing boredom or they're expressing that they're not enjoying the lesson. Young elementary children in particular, but even older ones, will flat out say, you know, this is boring. I don't like this lesson. They will say that sometimes. Another thing that you can look at is that students may not know what to do after the lesson. So they're just kind of sitting there, maybe looking at each other, not sure what to do next. And another one that comes to mind for me is you conduct a brief formative assessment during or after the lesson, and it's pretty clear to you that they don't understand anything that was presented in the lesson. So there's probably lots of other ways that lessons can fall flat, but I think the ones that I mentioned just a minute ago are a decent start. In fact, this list can help you anticipate potential pitfalls and challenges when reflecting on a presentation and how it went. You can always look back to this list and think about if you experienced any of these things. It will likely be the case that on occasion, a presentation is going to fall flat no matter what pitfalls you have anticipated or strategies you've tried. If you find that's happening more often than not, there are some things you might want to try in order to experience success. When your lesson falls flat, you might want to ask yourself the following. Did I activate prior knowledge at the outset of the presentation? So when teachers jump right into a lesson without giving any context and orienting the students, what often happens is that the students start right off the bat feeling kind of confused and disengaged. When starting a lesson, you might want to start with something like, remember when, for example, it could be, remember the last time when we were talking about the timeline of humans and we learned about humans from long ago, like what they ate and how they kept themselves warm and the tools they used to hunt for animals? Well, today we are going to talk about all the ways that humans satisfy their needs so you see, I started out with sharing something that they knew before that we've talked about and connecting them with a bit of new information. And that's going to be helpful in priming the pump for them to be engaged and be able to really be part of the lesson and develop an even greater understanding of early humans. With young students in particular, it might be that you don't have any previous lessons or prior knowledge to draw upon. That's not unfrequent, actually. And in those instances, you might want to pull on their general knowledge. So you might want to say something like, so today we're going to talk about the characteristics of mammals. We know that mammals have fur and they give birth to live young. Do any of you have mammals at home for pets? Jessica, do you have a dog? And Juan, do you have a cat? Yeah, those are mammals. And you might want to hear them talk about the mammals that they've seen in their neighborhoods or at zoos, on television, anywhere they've seen them out in the world and in their environments or even in books. Getting their minds primed to think about mammals 
gets them tuned in and primed for the presentation that you are about to give. Another question you might want to ask yourself is, did I entice them with an inspirational opening that drew them into the presentation? You will want to start out with something that draws the students in. A lot of times, Montessorians refer to this as the hook. Maybe it will be a beautiful display of some artifacts or fossils for a history presentation. Maybe it will be an evocative question. For example, if you're giving a lesson on seed dispersal, you can start with, who here knows that seeds wander and travel throughout the world just like many people do? That could be a really fun image to put into their minds about seeds. And they're probably thinking, oh, seeds travel like they go places. Well, that's an interesting thing to think about. I want to know more about that. So there's lots of different kinds of things you can do to entice them, you know, giving them a little bit of an opening. Did you know that plants eat food just like humans do? Or, you know, that's for a very young elementary student, but you can think of lots of other examples. Another thing you're going to want to ask is, did I explain myself clearly and in such a way that made sense to the students? Many times when we give a presentation, we are not aware of the fact that our explanation is vague, unclear, or lacks enough description or detail for the student to understand the information received, what they can do with that information, or even what are the next steps in terms of what they should do. So presenting lessons clearly through detailed storytelling cements images in their minds. When giving a lesson that involves a demonstration, commenting on the process as you execute the steps and checking in to make sure that they understand along the way is important in delivering a successful lesson. If the students are confused, you can always backtrack and start over from the beginning. If they continue to be confused, you can always end the lesson and present it on another day. Don't ever be afraid to just stop what you're doing and do it again in a different part of the day or even another day altogether. Sometimes we need a reboot and start over and pushing through something that's not working, whether it's that it's not engaging the students or they're not understanding, doesn't really do anybody any good. So it's okay to stop and start over. Another thing you're going to want to ask is, was there a visual or kinesthetic component to the lesson? It goes without saying that in Montessori classrooms, we often have physical materials for students to manipulate and explore with their hands. However, many of our lessons are told in the form of a story. When this is the case, you will still want to have visuals such as charts or books with pictures or printed images that you print off of the internet. You can always put them in a sheet protector, a clear sheet protector to keep them safe and use them over and over again. Or maybe they just any random object for them to observe or hold. You want to activate as many of the senses as you are able to, and that's going to lead to greater chances of engagement. 
So think about when you're giving those history lessons or those biology lessons, what kinds of visual aids can you bring in? And are there any artifacts or specimens or things that they can hold or observe that they will be able to interact with within the lesson? That is going to make it an exciting and enriching experience as opposed to you just telling a story without having any sort of visuals. And you can do that. You can always tell stories. You know, if you are a great storyteller, you can evoke interesting images in their minds without the need for a visual aid. But you might also find that sometimes having a visual aid or something hands-on for the children to touch, particularly younger students or students new to the Montessori environment, It's going to be just one extra tool in your belt and an extra way to reach the children in your lesson. Another question you want to ask yourself is, did I lecture the students or tell them a story or engage in dialogue? So in a previous blog post I wrote for Trillium Montessori, I guess a couple of years ago, I wrote about the difference between a lecture and a story. It goes without saying that students are more attentive with stories than with lectures. And I wonder, why is that? I mean, what is the difference between a lecture and a story? Well, just sort of a quick synopsis is a story contains lots of descriptive words that create images in the child's mind. There's lots of adjectives. There are similes, metaphors. The way that we make language rich with style is going to be what you have in a story. And a lecture generally tends to be an imparting of information. Like I am the person who has the information and I am filling the vessel, the child. And children can tell the difference between stories and lectures. And in fact, adults can tell the difference as well. In fact, research has shown that people retain information more readily when they get that information in the form of a story rather than a lecture, and that includes adults as well. So think about the information that you want to share with your students, and if you haven't already done so, think about how you can tell it in a story format, and it's going to be a lot more fun and interesting for them to listen to. You also want to ask yourself, was the lesson too easy or was it too hard? Sometimes for myself anyway, in the past, a lesson falls flat or fell flat because it didn't hit the sweet spot of being a just perfect, just right lesson, kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. There's the porridge that was too hot and the porridge that was too cold. And then the one that was just right. And we want to think of our lessons as trying to deliver just right lessons for our students as often as we can. If it's too easy, then the children will be bored or inattentive. And if it's too hard, They will also likely be bored, but it's mostly because they're not grasping the content. So they're just checking out and fading away. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is to ask at the beginning if any of the children in the group can share any information they know about the lesson you're about to present. If you have a child or two who clearly has acquired the knowledge or mastered the content, 
then you'll want to send them off and bring them back another time for a just right lesson for them. And if the lesson is too hard, you also might want to send them away as well. You'll do that delicately, of course. Maybe you'll see you have two students who are not grasping fraction equivalency and you're moving on to another aspect of fractions. And you can just say to them, okay, you two, Susie and Johnny, I am going to actually have you come back to another lesson because I want to show you something slightly different. So why don't you go head over to what you were doing earlier and I'll come and get you later for a different lesson. And it doesn't have to be a long explanation and it could just be as easy as that. You also want to ask yourself, was the presentation too long? Remember, the Montessori approach tells us that children construct themselves. This means that the lessons we give are the initial keys that unlock the knowledge base for them. We are sowing seeds with our lessons, and then they are engaging in further practice and follow-up work, which is where a bulk of the learning occurs. If your presentation is long, or if they know to expect that every presentation you give is going to be long, then they will likely become disengaged. Be sure to keep those lessons on the shorter side. Around 15 minutes or so is probably a good amount for most lessons, although you will have some lessons that need to be a little bit longer and some that need to be a little bit shorter. Even those longer lessons, though, let's say you're showing them oftentimes like racks and tubes takes a long time with division or test tube division, however your training calls it. And maybe you're going to be sitting with them for 30 or 40 minutes. If it's going to be a 30 or 40 minute lesson, you are not the one talking the whole time. You are not talking and they're listening. You're talking to them. You're giving them opportunities to reach in with their hands and discover things and move beads around and cups around and whatnot. So, so think about that. If you have a longer lesson, make sure it's much more interactive. There will be occasion when those lessons will be long, but those are usually the exception rather than the norm. But again, if you're inviting them to participate, it's a little bit different in that instance. You also want to ask yourself, did I group the students properly? Sometimes lessons can fall flat because the combination of students lends itself to the lesson devolving due to difficult behavior. Being strategic about which children are in what presentations together will help ensure that the lesson stays on track without going off the rails due to silliness or strong personalities that are trying to talk over one another. These things can happen. So you want to make sure that you have children who come together that work well together. Some children are more like oil and water and they just aren't going to mix super well. So you want to make sure that you take note of that because you don't want your lessons to become disruptive because of different social dynamics that are just not working very well when you can easily have a couple of small groups and be more strategic about who you're putting in what group so that the lesson can have greater chance of success. So what do you do when you're in the thick of it and your lesson isn't going well? So even though we just talked about lots of different things you can do, questions you can ask yourself, 
if the lesson isn't going well, you still might find yourself in the thick of it and go, oh my goodness, I do not know what I'm going to do here. So you can try to capture their attention with some of the strategies I mentioned earlier. However, if after some valiant attempts, you haven't made any progress, just be sure to, as I said earlier, stop the lesson. You don't have to keep trying to push forward when students are inattentive, disengaged, or disruptive. You can simply say something like, okay, I think we're going to stop here for now and continue this lesson on another day. You're welcome to return to your other work. It's as easy as that, and you don't even have to make a big fuss about it. And actually, that can be a very impactful experience for the children, especially if you don't make a big fuss about it, because they actually do enjoy coming to lessons most of the time. And sometimes they're just trying to get a bunch of attention from each other or something else is going on. But if you just stop and say, okay, just go back to your work and I'll try this on another day. The next time you invite them to the lesson, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to see some different behavior. You also might want to set up some expectations at the beginning of that lesson which is another aspect I didn't mention earlier, but it's worth including right now, is you can tell them, you know, remember what how we act at the beginning of a lesson and when we're getting a lesson, can anybody share like some a lesson etiquette when you're in a presentation and how you need to be and what kind of behavior is expected. And that can also help set the stage and minimize the chance of a lesson falling flat. So a final thing that I wanted to say is when your lesson falls flat, don't despair. So when our lessons go without a hitch, there's no better feeling in the world. Everybody's engaged. They're excited. They're interested. There seem to be no obstacles, no resistance in the way. And Those days make a teacher feel like a million bucks, or maybe not even those days, those experiences during the day. Maybe you have one lesson that goes that way, and then the rest of your lessons don't for the rest of the day. But sure enough, during that time, you're going to feel like a million bucks. You're going to feel wonderful and like you're walking on clouds. However, there will be those times when we stumble on our end or there's something going on with the students that contributes to the major flop. Remember, even if you're a seasoned teacher, you're going to have days where your lessons fall flat. And while we can minimize those things, it's going to happen. And you just need to know and expect that there are days that you may not have the best day for presenting or your students may not have the best day for attending in lessons. It's going to happen even in the most normalized classrooms with the most experienced of teachers. By reflecting on your presentations and asking yourselves the questions that we talked about earlier, you will hopefully be able to minimize the occurrence of those dud lessons in the future while elevating your teaching practice at the same time. So you're going to get better and better at this if you're a new teacher. And if you're a seasoned teacher, you already know that you are having more lessons that are successful than not, and that all of us have our days when they aren't going to be as exciting as others. So 
One extra thing I wanted to add, even though I was ready to end, that came to mind is sometimes the lesson falls flat because we're not inspired about something. And one of the ways that we can remedy that is to find within ourselves a feeling of excitement and inspiration for the lesson that we're going to give. Because if we're excited about it, they're generally going to be excited about it too. That concludes this podcast session called What to Do When Your Lesson Falls Flat. And I look forward to having you join me in another session in the future. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trulliammontessori.org forward slash podcast for details and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.